This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist with Mississippi Today. Now, Merriam-Webster defines steadfastness as being immovable, firm in belief, and determined. And Vivian O'Neill, a.k.a. Miss Mississippi 2023, embodies all the above. Not taking no for an answer, her win is a cherry on the top of an impressive body of work that includes her nonprofit, Capable, her work as an author, current and future projects, hailing from Hattiesburg as well. So she is here to discuss all that and more. And I tell you what, happy 4th of July early. Uh, some of you are off today. You're listening. You're probably getting to hang out a little bit and uh, going to do some fireworks and some cooking out. I know we at the Ramsey household are going to be cooking copious amounts of dead animals. And uh, that, that really sounds gross. We're probably going to have hamburgers, okay? Uh, we'll put it back into normal thing. And we're going to hang out on the lake and probably watch some of our neighbors shoot off some quality uh, North Korean-style shells that they bought that probably are uh, small equivalents of um, atomic weapons. So anyway, it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have a good time, and I hope you do too, and you do it safely as well. Tell you what, excited about our guest today, today, Vivian O'Neill, and like say, uh, Miss Mississippi 2023, I have her in the studio. Uh, it's so good to see you and so good to meet you. And let me say, I know a lot of people have been saying this to you for over the last month, but congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so you, you pulled up in your in your in your new car that you're getting to drive around Mississippi. You're going to be putting on some serious miles yeah. already. You've been I've just I follow you. Of course, I follow you on, on Instagram and I see you've been incredibly busy. Just talk about the little bit from the moment that you heard the words, because this is the fifth time now that you've yeah. done. You've been first runner up last year. You were in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Now you finally you're wearing the crown, which looks really good on you, by the way. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I've always, you know, I've had the honor of interviewing several Miss Mississippis, and the fact that you can keep that crown on your head and it now falling off. I know bobby pins are the secret, but oh yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive. But let's talk a little bit about that. When you heard the words, that had to just be an amazing feeling. It was, and it felt a little bit like an out-of-body experience. It's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I've been watching this pageant since I was a little girl, and so I have seen this happen for, you know, hundreds of women just over in different state pageants at Miss America. I've watched that moment over and over again and always dreaming that it would be me. But it's one of those things that always feels right outside your grasp. It always feels kind of outside of the realm of actual yeah. reality. And so when it happened, I just I just remember feeling like it was just it was very out of body. I didn't really feel like it was really happening. It felt like a dream. And I think in so many ways, it still does. You know, when I stop and think about it for a little bit too long, it, it still hasn't quite set in just yet. But uh, I mean, I was just just overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed in the best possible way. I was reading an article where you almost didn't enter this year. Yeah. Just think. I mean, you, you look back. I know. <laughs> I know you look back on your life and you, these moments that you know could push you one direction or the other. Yeah. And that decision. I mean, what if you had made that decision and you'd stayed home? I, 
I know, and it, it is. I think that was one of the things that pushed me to compete one more time. Was I was like, you know, I'm going to look back and I'm always going to wonder what if. Yeah. And and that was one of the driving factors. And and there were so many different things that fell into place in my life that just pointed towards me competing again. There were several doors that I felt very strongly about having open that were closed. Yeah. And and thank God, you know, I mean, thank God they were closed because this one door that I have fought to open for. 10 years of my life has has now been opened and, and at the best possible time. And that, that's been one of the most prominent thing, themes um, that I have experienced over the past just few weeks that I've had this title is that it is the absolute perfect time for me to be Miss Mississippi. And so just trusting in that was a, a huge part of preparation this year. Well, I mean, you did the pageants. You were, you were what were you, Miss... You were Miss um, Southern Miss, was it during the pandemic? I was yes, trying to think. Miss USM. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you were Miss USM during that, and you were so you were for two years, you know. So, yes. But this one, I mean, now you literally the doors open. You can do the travel. Just think of all the people that you're going to meet in the next 365 days. That's mm-hmm. just incredible. It is, and I think this is the perfect time because I look back at you know the culmination of all of my experiences and my work experience, and thinking, you know, when I was Miss USM and I was I was coming back from Washington D.C. I'd, I'd worked there for a year. I was like, oh, this is the perfect time because I'm kind of ready to come home. I want to get my master's. And so I, I kind of had an, had an idea and I was like, oh, this would be the perfect time. And then and then that, that door was closed and it, and it turns out it wasn't. And I was like, hey, you know, I really wasn't as prepared as I thought I was to be yeah. Miss Mississippi. And I came back uh, right after that and I was like, oh, this would be a perfect time. I was in the middle of getting my master's. This would be the perfect time. I'm never going to be more prepared. Door closed again. And, and then I going through the preparation for this year, I was like, I truly think that I'm the most prepared, but I also know that if that door is closed again, then there's going to be a reason for that. And looking back at precedent, I can trust in that, in that perfect timing, no matter what my path is, whether it was Miss Mississippi or not. You know, you have got an incredible platform and we're going to be talking about that in depth because it's one of the most impressive ones I've seen. I just, there's, you've really been honing this Mm -hmm. and pushing it. It comes from your heart for reasons Mm -hmm. that we'll touch on. But also, too, you're going to be walking around and you're going to be meeting a lot of young little girls Mm -hmm. that really need to hear your message of perseverance and resilience and everything else. Because I think we're kind of entering into that time when things are going to get a little bit tougher for for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you did not say no and the fact that you did not say quit. And and because I, you know, I could seen very easily after like last year, you're going, no, man. I'm going backwards. Mm-hmm. This is nuts, you know, but you didn't. And that's, yeah. you're going to inspire a lot of people this year. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, I, thank I, you. okay. End of the nice questions. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding on that. No, really on that. And like I said, it's impressive. You mentioned a year up in DC. Yeah. Um, you know, you're actually a PR major. Correct? Yes, I have a bachelor's of arts in public relations. Yeah, one of your many degrees. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, two right now. We'll we'll be working on the third. In and the a third. Bit. And that's once again, <laughs> and that twelve thousand dollars you won is going to be very handy yes. for your doctorate. Yes, and then hopefully get a little bit more Miss America. So. so yeah, no kidding. By the way, when is that? It's in January. We it's don't have Jan- exact dates yet, but we okay. know it's going to be sometime so got, in January. So, um, and we'll touch on that a little bit. Well, let's do it now. How long? I mean, what do you have to do between now and January to prepare for Miss America? So it, it's interesting being in this position in 2023 because it looks a lot different. So Miss America used to be held in September, and yeah. it was nonstop prep from the crowning of Miss Mississippi to going to Miss America. And now, last year it was in December, and this year it being in January, even later, I get like 
like six plus months of on the job training. And I truly think that's some of the best preparation that you can have to go and compete at Miss America. Because, you you know, you always think you're you're constantly evolving and changing and growing. And so being able to step into this role as Miss Mississippi, I think is going to be the best preparation for Miss America. Um, But just logistically continuing to hone my skills and talent. I'm a dancer. I've been a dancer since I was three years old. And so continuing to hone those skills and staying in the gym for the fitness competition and honing my interview skills. But again, things like this are perfect interview practice oh, yeah. uh, for, for that. So a lot of that is just going to be on the job training, but it's it's going to be tackling those goals that I set so that I can talk about those at Miss America as well. Definitely. And once, once again, um, your platform is something that you've been doing for years and it's very close to heart. So it's not like you have, you've just created a platform and you've got to hone that either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically, you can just say, oh no, wait, these are the results of right. what I've been doing, which right. is a big difference between, oh, what I'm going to be doing. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's huge. So you were in D.C., you are doing the, the, the PR thing up there. Who, who did you work for and what did you do? I worked for Senator Roger Wicker. Mm-hmm. I was a press assistant, so I worked with his communications team. Aha. Was that fun? It was so much fun. It yeah. really, so I'm such a political history nerd. I mean, I grew up watching uh, like C-SPAN and MSNBC with my dad every morning before school. So uh, I, I've always been surrounded by the news and politics and found it really fascinating. And I, I knew that I wanted to work on Capitol Hill at some point. And so I kind of on a whim applied for that job. And surprisingly, I was not prepared to get it. I almost withdrew my candidacy several times for, for certain reasons and um, and then ended up getting it. And it was I mean, I, that was fulfilling a lifelong dream. I got to sit in on Supreme Court hearings, and uh, I got to, you know, work at the presidential inauguration. I got to meet so many incredible people. It was just an, an, an outstanding experience. I mean, seriously, and I'm the same way. I remember uh, Greg Harper gave me a tour when he was in Congress, and, you know, just, oh, yeah, this is where Abraham Lincoln sat. You're yeah. just like, what? You yeah. Know? It, the, just something about the Capitol itself mm-hmm. is just so it just it's just so awe-inspiring. And everything. So I'm glad you got that experience as well. Yeah. Once again, more you know, more experience for you being able to do interviews and mm-hmm. dealing with the press. Now, what do you have to do? You have to directly uh, deal with anybody, or was it just handling, creating what he was going to say and so forth? It, a lot of it was I, so I would do the first drafts of things. I would yeah. do like press release. I wrote a ton. I pretty yeah. much just wrote a ton. Um, I would always do the first drafts. I was a newbie, so I would just do first drafts, and they would go through a it would go through a process and then come back to me. But um, it was it was all types of every form of communication that you could possibly think of. I aided and policy. In. So and yeah. policy too. So that's right. great. So that's once again that's good. This year, um, talk a little bit. Of course, your your talent was dance, yes. correct? Yeah, or is dance? It mm-hmm. still is dance. You didn't just quit because you're going to be doing it again. You started doing pageants when you were like 14. Yes. So I did what is now Miss Mississippi's teen. It was formerly Miss Mississippi's Outstanding Teen when I competed. Are they no longer outstanding? Well, I guess we just describe them as It's just not in the title. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to put as much on the sash. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Save some space on the sash. Um, But yeah, so I I did that for two years and I was in high school and just fell in love with the organization. And I took a couple years off to get settled in college and grow and mature a little bit. And then I started my Miss Mississippi journey. Yeah, and on that, so the what are all the titles that you've held? Oh my gosh! Okay, let's see. I'm trying to think back to teen. So I think I, I was Miss Miss Deep South's Outstanding Teen, I think, and then I was Miss. Um, oh gosh. Gosh, that's been, I haven't even thought about that. I can't even remember what my first one was. But then when I was in Miss Mississippi, I was Miss Warren County. I was Miss Pride of the South, Miss USM, 
for the two years, Miss Hattiesburg and then Miss Palmville. Okay, I understand the the kind of the radius around Hattiesburg, Warren County. How did you end up over there? So I was actually t- talking to somebody up at the front about this. So the the way it works is that um, there are several different titles that each director will hold, and so I, I knew which director I wanted. So I chose to compete in that preliminary for the director, not necessarily the title. Gotcha. Um, but then once I was getting more settled in school and I had um, the USM title, I really wanted to stay in Hattiesburg just because I built a lot of connections, and so I wanted a title that people were gonna you know be able to relate to um and so since i was currently in that but warren county was just a title that the director that i wanted at the time held so i chose to, to gotcha. but there. you were proud to represent once you won it oh yeah. yeah well and funnily enough i used to live in vicksburg so okay. i had a connection to vicksburg okay very way. good i wanted to make sure that was clear i, yes. didn't, I didn't want you getting i was thinking oh my i just got her in trouble so no. I, didn't, I didn't mean to do <laughs> no no i didn't mean to do that so when you did the first time you did it and then of course the last time what was the difference you felt like the, the on the the final time did did you i mean i would have probably had an anxiety attack you know the first time standing on the stage and doing all that stuff you probably by the time of course you were pretty much a pro at that point anyway mm-hmm. but by the time you finished it what was the difference you know it was so many things but one one thing that sticks out the most when i think about just my preparation over this year and looking back at the way that I prepared in previous years, I I focused so much more on just instead of being the best, whatever the best is, it was how can I be the best Vivian and how can I leverage all of my strengths and things that I'm passionate about to be the best Vivian, not necessarily the best what I believe to be Miss Mississippi and, and, and understanding that there is a possibility that um, those five people may not think that I'm going to be the best Miss Mississippi this yeah. year and that's okay and that but that doesn't throw a wrench in my ability to be successful that doesn't limit me in my ability to be successful I can do that with or without this crown I am very thankful to do it with this crown and excited to do it with this crown but I think not limiting myself in that way and having that understanding that regardless of if I miss Mississippi or not I can still accomplish my goals I can still make a difference and 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 that's you know a message that we like to spread just as an organization you know if you if you never win Miss Mississippi if you never win your state title you are still walking away with skills and friendships and experience that are priceless. I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. It's one of the most unique uh, and life-changing experiences, regardless of if you ever wear this crown or not. Yeah, getting to interview the past Miss Mississippians, um, I, that the whole friendship part is so real. Oh, it, yeah. really, it really is. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editorial cartoonist and your host today. And we have got a great guest. I've had so much fun so far. Uh, getting to interview Miss Mississippi 2023. She won it on her fifth try, which is wonderful. And we were talking a little bit the last segment about, you know, how this is a game changer and it's going to open up new doors and new avenues and everything else. I can tell you folks, just from doing the research and seeing her past track record, she would have been successful no matter what. Didn't I? I think you've got a bright future ahead of you. Uh, And you've got a rock star, fantastic platform too. And you know, it's, a lot of times, and, and I guess I'm a connoisseur of the platforms at this point. I'm uh-huh. always fascinating <laughs> what people's platforms are. And sometimes, you know, you can see, well, it's maybe a little bit paper thin, but it's a good cause and everything else. I'm, I'm literally and just pulled up on my computer the curriculum for your platform. So you literally have a working curriculum mm-hmm. that you can go into schools and you can teach children how to have empathy and caring toward their disabled classmates, which is something that I wish had been around when I was a kid, because I, this makes shock you. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Kids can be remarkably mean. Yes. And I probably was one of them. So um, that's how I became a cartoonist. But um, 
but this is something that this isn't just something that you made up. This is something that comes from your heart because you have got a really, really incredible brother Mm -hmm. that you've almost been like his second mom to. And and tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so I'm the daughter of educators and the sister to a child with a disability. So I always had a really unique perspective and was always very sensitive to students with disabilities and noticed a lot of problems and disparities that they experienced that perhaps people that don't interact closely with somebody with a disability maybe didn't notice um and josiah my my brother he's he's 18 years old and he has a very rare form of muscular dystrophy called nimaline myopathy he was actually misdiagnosed several times when he was born and uh underwent so many tests to to try and figure that out because it was such a rare disease so there was very limited information for my parents to pull from whenever he was first born and i know that was a really terrifying experience Mm -hmm. for them and they um his life expectancy was two years most most uh individuals with his disability don't live past age two and so whenever he celebrated his third birthday those doctors were like all right you're through probably the hardest years um so you know it that was we're incredibly blessed to have him as part of our life and to watch him grow and now he's he's 18 and he's gonna be attending the university of southern mississippi in the fall as part of the honors college and uh, we're just so excited to continue to watch him grow and 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 be successful in so many ways well that says a an awful lot about his spirit and his heart so there seems to be a lot of that going through your family and number two that says a lot about your family and your mom and dad also oh yeah yeah because I and I can tell you this from being a parent of three boys that, you know, I've had cancer, but every time they had a cold, it's way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's hard to watch your kids be sick and so forth. And I know that was frustrating, but mm-hmm. I know they're incredibly proud of you and they're incredibly proud of him. And um, isn't he kind of the basis, kind of the inspiration for your children's book, too, correct? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. So um, what initially kind of drew me to the concept of writing a children's book in the first place was that there are four characters throughout the curriculum um, and each one I, I wanted to be very particular in what they looked like, what type of disability they had, because I wanted every single student to be able to identify in yeah. some way, um, if not in multiple ways, with one of those characters, whether they're disability was invisible or visible or what ethnicity they were and all those different things and so I had those four characters very intentionally designed and obviously Josiah was the inspiration for one of them he is one of the characters and I I wanted to expand upon their stories a little bit I think it's really important that children see themselves represented in their own literature Mm -hmm. Um, we as adults are seeing a lot more of that in 2023 but children not so much and so I wanted to provide that additional resource and this seemed like the perfect opportunity to do so and uh, being a little biased towards Josiah I did uh, want him to be the the first children's book. I have written the second one. I would like for there to be one book per character, but I'm kind of waiting on the the publication process and the illustration process for that second one. But hopefully, by when all said and done, there'll be four of them, one for each character. I can tell you from experience, illustrators are the worst. Oh wait, I'm an illustrator. Never no. mind. <laughs> Never mind on that. Yeah, they, we slow everything down. But I mean, I I love the kind of the the plot of the the, the first book was you know that there's a field day mm-hmm. and you know and so forth and there really wasn't anything that he could do with the mm-hmm. wheelchair and everything. But everybody rallied around him. It was great. It's it right. it a good story. I mean, good job. Right. Well, and and one element of it too is that so the the PE teacher who's in charge of yeah. of field day in the book is it doesn't even realize that. And th- and yeah. that that's one of the things that we talk about in the curriculum is that. Some of some of it, yeah, you're going to have some mean kids. You're going to have some mean adults, to be oh, yeah. perfectly honest. But sometimes it's just innocent. They just, if they don't interact with somebody on a regular basis that has a disability, they just don't even see it. They have a completely different lens through which they, they look at life. And, right. and so it's about opening that perspective and opening up individuals' eyes to see that maybe there's not access to a Braille menu at a restaurant. Maybe there's not enough space in between these tables in this, in this business for somebody in a wheelchair.
wheelchair. So it's kind of opening their eyes and, and changing their perspective to notice those things so that they can begin to advocate for them, whether it's for the benefit of them or somebody they know or just anybody with a disability. The curriculum debuted in what 20, 2019 right 2019. yes the first one did so the first one did so you uh, and that's for younger kids it is k through two right k through three k through three. Mm-hmm. Oh wow okay third grade Not, yes yeah k, kindergarten through third grade uh basically it's character education it's fantastic it's a mm-hmm. five-day program mm-hmm. correct and uh, so we'll go through the steps on the five days because i love the so day one is um stop stop the stairs yeah stop so the stairs. yeah because i mean uh i yeah, and, and I I will tell a little quick story just on this. I had surgery uh, for melanoma and had a good chunk of my mm-hmm. back removed, right? And, mm-hmm. and sewed up. It's nice. I just have a big scar. So I'm going in the ocean and a lady's staring at me, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt really uncomfortable. I'm not used to women staring at me, so it's not like something <laughs> that happens too often. And normally I'm like, hey, but it was no, it wasn't that. It was that she was staring at my scar and uh-huh. I felt really self conscious about mm-hmm. it. And I looked at her and I said, it was a shark attack. It happened right where your kids are swimming. And she grabbed her kids and ran out of the ocean. Oh, my gosh. But that said, stopping the stairs, what a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just knowing that if you're being stared at, then you don't feel like you fit in very mm-hmm. well. And that's kind of where you got that from, right? Right. And okay. it, it's laying the foundation to teach students how yeah. to have conversation. There have, I think one of the biggest things that we miss out on is just have just asking questions, just yeah. having a conversation with somebody with a disability. There have been so many times where Josiah has been looked over and somebody has asked my mom a question about him. And he's like, I'm I'm right here. You can yeah. ask me. If you just ask me, it's okay. Or if a kid's staring at him, he would much rather them just walk up to him and ask him. And I think for a lot of kids, it just kind of, we're scared of what we don't know. Yeah. And that's true for adults too. And so just teaching that lesson at a young age that just ask a question. I mean, do so respectfully and appropriately, but it's okay to have a conversation about that and break the ice in that way because that's what creates understanding and understanding eventually creates that inclusivity and that uh, equality that we're looking for. So when you're doing day one and you're doing this and you're teaching this, what are the, some of the things that are part of the curriculum to get? Because I know there's probably stories and games and, and different ways because you're, you're engaging very young kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, the last day is called What's Your Superpower? And oh, it's kind of the, yeah. the culmination of all of the different lessons lessons and and what we want kids to take away from this. And that's that there are going to be kids that look differently than you, that come from different backgrounds, that grew up differently. And, but the, the thing that we can all understand is, is our humanity and that we all have different strengths. We all have different personalities and we can pull those things together to accomplish a common goal and, and, and celebrate each individual story. And so the, what's your superpower has students write down what they consider their superpower to be on, um, capable cards. So I have that included as part of the curriculum and they, it's a small little cards they can carry it in their pocket. And if they ever start to feel discouraged or they need that reminder of what their superpower is, they can pull out that capable card and remind themselves of what that strength is. And so I always use the example of Josiah Yes, he's in a wheelchair. His legs maybe don't work like mine do, but his superpower, I would, he's, I think he's got many, but I'm, I am biased. But the primary one is his brain. He is one of the most intelligent individuals I've ever, ever interacted with. And he knows it too. He knows he's the smartest <laughs> one in the family. Um, but, but that is something that he's really been able, able to, to leverage um, because of that. And so that doesn't make him less than or more than any, anybody else. It just makes it different. So it's about celebrating those differences. And so yeah. that, um, that is my favorite thing to talk about is celebrating those differences and how we can all come together with, with different stories but but share in that in that humanity and that human experience well, and if the kids too they all can figure out their superpowers and maybe they can actually work together exactly. and, and even have a stronger superpower exactly so exactly. you've you got your card on you right now 
I don't. I don't. Okay. You so, call so, okay. me out. That, no, that's fine. I, I wasn't going to have you hold it up to the microphone because nobody could see it anyway. You can but, see it on the website. I'll plug my website there. Okay, very good. I'll, I'll, what's your website? It's capablecurriculum.com. Okay, very good. We'll have you repeat that several times throughout okay. the show. <laughs> what is your superpower? Oh, goodness. I think my superpower is my ability to be authentic. That is one thing that I wanted to be uh, really focused on this year. I mean, just in life, of course. Yeah. But I knew if I was given a, a microphone as loud as the one is Miss Mississippi, I wanted to to do so as Vivian. And I didn't want any of my behaviors or the way that I spoke to people or treated people to change mm-hmm. because of that or the way that I acted to change because of that. I wanted um, who Vivian is to be a representation of who a good Miss Mississippi is and vice versa. Um, and so that's, I would say, my, my superpower is my authenticity and my ability to relate to people because of that authenticity. And, and I would say it, I would just throw in there maybe you could write underneath it you know your resilience too resilience yeah yeah that's a good thing and that's a very strong thing as well so like i said this is for the k through three and you've also got one that's a stem related one through four through six so you've got for older kids Mm -hmm. that's good and then you've even got one for college kids too yeah which i thought that was fantastic so um and that's not a bad idea because number one you've obviously missed the older kids early on but mm-hmm. also too they need to hear a little different message and so forth too because guess what in the college kids i mean they're going to be in the workforce soon and they're going to be working with people that aren't going to be exactly like them mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that's awesome and yeah. you actually got to uh, go before the community college board and pitch it didn't you well so i partnered with them in the creation well, partner, of it's it, even so, better no, so, so obviously the pitch went, it went well through then. um yeah. it went through several steps and you know we kind of went back and forth and met several times to try and make it as um all-encompassing as possible and make it just a really strong inclusion training overall so um that was that was a partnership with the community college board that i was able to develop because i wanted it the truth of the matter is i know that you know i just got my master's in higher education i have uh under a year's experience working in higher ed and so i knew that i wanted to trust the experts in that way and take my strengths and my expertise and combine it with theirs to make it as strong as possible that's great on that so you're going to be starting your doctorate soon are you you're going to wait till after this year i would imagine i'm about to say when (laughs) are you i am not going to sleep in the next year (laughs) doing on that so what i mean what you're going to do higher ed for for your doctorate also yes probably a doctorate in education or higher education something like that so you went from pr now you're into education so what do you hope to do once you're through with your doctorate and everything do you Mm -hmm. want to go do you want to go teach in college what's your what's your plan well, the best way that I always that I, I know how to describe this is being the Brene Brown of disability inclusion. I love Brene Brown. Yes, um, who doesn't? I mean, she's but wonderful. I, I like that she's got several different things going on. She's a public speaker. She's a podcaster. She's got a book, and so I kind of want to do something similar where I have autonomy over my my nonprofit and the work that I'm doing. And so, being a traveling public speaker within the realm of disability inclusion and higher education, and kind of the marriage of those two things, and in any way that that I can, I want to continue to do that as much as possible and work with my nonprofit. Hopefully, is my long-term career. Oh, that would be wonderful. And yeah. I can imagine, I haven't heard you speak on a stage, but I'm, I imagine you're quite good. And I can tell I mean, you and I both know there is nothing quite like getting up on a stage and speaking to several hundred people. It's true. It's, there's it's a, true. <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, there's a lot of energy there. You know, you can feel yeah. the room and everything. And you've got such a powerful message to, to share with Thank them. Thank you. So that's great. Okay. So we're looking at the next 300 and whatever days that you've got. You've uh, Obviously, you get a car every few thousand miles, a new car, that mm-hmm. you're going to be heading all across the state of Mississippi. Yeah. How much have you traveled around Mississippi before before now? I, you know, I've been to different 
sections. I've been to the coast a lot. I've been to uh, been to Oxford, Water Valley area. Um, but prior to, I think I'd been to Tupelo maybe once or twice. I mean, there there are just some places where I pass through a lot of places, but I've spent a majority of my time in South Mississippi. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to kind of touch on those areas that I haven't really had the chance to go to yet. How does that process work? Do you obviously have a schedule, or you have somebody that helps mm-hmm. you keep track of where you're going and so forth, and so you know where you're going to be heading, and you have like a calendar mm-hmm. that says, okay, I know that in a month I'll be going here, kind of. Yes, thing. but everything I, I think. Going into it with the mindset that uh, everything is subject to change. Yes. <laughs> I had my business manager text me last night and she said, hold off on the scheduling, scheduling anything personal for the rest of the week. She's like, I've got uh, I've got several things I'm adding to your calendar. You're OK for for Monday, but or, um, but I've got several things I'm adding to your calendar for this week. So you just never know. Just being really flexible and adaptable is uh, the, the name of the game as Mississippi for sure. So you basically you have a, like a shared calendar. So you open it up yes. every day and you say, oh, OK. Yeah, I get noti- every time there's a change, I get notification sent to my phone so I know where I'm supposed to be and when. Oh, that's fun. So yeah. you, 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 you'll be doing a lot of driving mm-hmm. around a lot the state. Of driving. But that's great, though. I mean, I always tell people you can't understand Mississippi just driving from your house to the office it's kind true. of thing. So you'll get a, I mean, you're going to get a free education in, in Mississippi this year, too. Yeah, well, and that, that was one thing I wanted to, to prioritize because I think not only is it going to be beneficial to me, but I think it's going to be helpful at Miss America and then also at different places that I'm interviewing or talking and is being really familiar with our industry here. So I, you know, I spoke to, to my business manager about some of my goals. One of them being, I wanted to, I wanted to visit Camp Shelby. I wanted to visit yeah. Stennis Space Center. I wanted to visit um, it, just some of these major places that we, we bring a lot of industry here in Mississippi. And I think it's important that me as somebody that's representing this state, that I'm, I'm educated on those things and I know what we have yeah. available. I know what our strengths are and, and being able to have the opportunity as Miss Mississippi to visit those. I think it's beneficial to me personally. Yes. But as anybody that's a representative or spokesperson of our state needs to know those things. And so um, I, I really wanted to take advantage of this opportunity in that way and educate myself as much as I can on this state, especially prior to Miss America. I know it's, it's you know, I can tell you f- from experience when I go speak outside of the state, people A, are very curious about Mississippi mm-hmm. and B, they are full of every stereotype they've ever uh-huh. seen in a movie. A little prejudice. A little bit. You yeah. Know, so you, you're just like, oh, well, I saw that movie. It's like, yeah, and you know everything in the movie's real. So, <laughs> you, trust me on yeah, that. Yeah, believe everything you read on the internet. It's true, though. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Oh, well, you're telling me something here I didn't know, so that's good. I, I was just, what are something, like I said, you're, you're going to be going to schools a lot, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. That would be a big part of it. Yes. So you'll get to, um, I just think of, I, I always, my wife teaches and I always tell us, like, you never know who you're influencing on any given day as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, I mean, that's a really powerful, you're going to wake up with a blank canvas every single day and mm-hmm. you're going to get to paint this beautiful painting that's going to influence some, some child. That, that's a cool thing to get to do. It is. It yeah. is. And I feel very honored to have been given um, that privilege, but it is also a huge responsibility. And I think uh, recognizing that as a huge responsibility is important. And um, I mean, I've already experienced so many, so many stories just of teachers sending me feedback from when they implement my curriculum and just knowing that, yeah. you know, the work that I'm doing, I believe in it of course but having the 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 confidence and the, the assurance of knowing that these teachers believe in this too so much so that they've uh, committed to implementing it for in their classroom for years to come and doing so without being mandated to do so i mean i'm i'm just a 25 year old girl that pitched this idea to them and they believed in it and they believed in its message and and it's benefiting children and they tell me those stories about how it's impacted students with disabilities in their classroom already and that um that to me 
tells me that I'm on the right path and I'm, I'm walking in God's will for my life. And so I'm just really thankful to be able to continue doing that on an even larger scale. I'm about to say, I would imagine that the next year will be kind of like a, a, a research laboratory for, yeah. for you as well. So, cause you're going to get to talk to the teachers one-on-one and get, yeah. to, get to meet them on that. Yeah. Seriously, when you launched the curriculum, did you ever imagine that you'd be able to take it to the, cause I can just see, I mean, you on the stage and you know, Miss America and you're talking about this and this thing going national. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I really did. Because yeah. the truth of the matter is, I I love students, I love educators, and I love education. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher. I'm like, that is that takes a very special, special person, and it is not me. I could never... Children can smell when you don't know what you're doing. And I, su- I substituted out for a little bit, and they knew that I did not oh, know yeah, what I was doing. Oh, yeah, they smell fear. And they acted accordingly. <laughs> yeah, they smell fear. <laughs> oh, so that has, that has never been my gift, but I wanted... I was so passionate about this cause. And so I knew that I had to just get over that imposter syndrome. And it, I kind of, it was kind of like the president, you know, the president's not going to be an expert on everything, but he's going to surround himself with, with cabinet members that are experts in every single area of policy. And so I wanted to kind of mirror that in some way and, and surround myself with educators from, from all different types of, of backgrounds and age groups to, to help me create the most legitimate and comparable curriculum possible with the information that I knew to be true, which was the experience of students with disabilities. Now, uh, being a child of parent, I mean, having parents and understanding that sometimes you don't listen to your parents, and I know you probably did from the get-go, um, but you, both your parents are education experts. They're quite good at it. Tell yes, us a little bit are. about tell us a little bit about them, and tell us a little bit about how they influenced you as you were putting all this together. Yeah. So my my mom teaches second grade at Oak Grove Elementary, and my dad is currently the federal programs director at Perry County School District. Wow. Um, so they, I've always been surrounded by by educators, and I think that was probably part of the reason I yeah, never just, yeah. never wanted to be a teacher because I saw my parents do it, saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. And but you know, I think it really cultivated an extreme appreciation and a. Um, almost like a defense. Like I just always run to a teacher's defense because I, I've seen, I've seen firsthand the kinds of things that that they go through, and they're not just a teacher that that talks to your kid for eight hours a day about history and math and science. They become a, a mentor, a parent. I mean, the stories that that my dad has taught. He is he's almost always been in a low income school, and the stories that he has told me about how these teachers rally around these students and take care of them. I mean, the students that don't get meals on the weekend because the meals that they get come from the school or the you know the coats that they bought for the students that came to school with no jacket because they couldn't afford it and it's 30 degrees outside and uh and all of those things you know you hear those stories all the time and teachers are what what fill that hole you know that that the, that need for a student teachers so very often fill that hole and people don't realize that especially if you're not in close contact with the teacher and so educators are so much more than just people that stand up in a class classroom and, and, and teach history or, or math or, or whatever that is. And I think um, having that understanding and that appreciation from a young age just really impacted my my outlook on, on them and advocating for them and the importance of that and the importance of education. I, I strongly believe that everything begins with education. And I, that's heavily influenced by, by my parents and their experience. Definitely. And I, I think because you have that mindset and that understanding, that's going to make you even more effective in the next year. Really I hope is. so. I think so as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Marshall Ramsey. But honestly, uh, you're not here to be listening to me. You're here to be listening to Miss Mississippi 2023. Vivian O'Neill is in the house. I'm doing fantastic. This has been a great interview. I've really enjoyed our conversation. 
we talked a little bit earlier um, about perseverance and resilience and uh, you know I mean and I'm going to say that word that was in the opening that I can't and I'm not going to try thank you Jermaine for throwing that one at me because obviously it's Monday and I'm just it's a holiday weekend okay we're not we're not totally awake yet steadfastness (laughs) thank you steadfastness thank you I I, you know what I couldn't and I'm not this is not a plug but for years I couldn't say chipotle (laughs) <laughs> and my family made so much fun of me. We're walking through Boston, and there's a Chipotle. And I said it, and I used to just mangle the word. And, I mean, all of them just stop in the middle of the road, and they look at me, and they go, Dad. <laughs> That's how I am with quiche. Quiche? When I see quiche, it's quickie. Quickie? But it's quiche. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these great moments, like on radio, when you freeze up and say the wrong word, but you just keep going. And you've got a story about how... On one of the biggest moments of your life, you froze up. Yeah. 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 So my very first year competing, and we're celebrating the 60th anniversary, and Cheryl Pruitt-Salem, who is former Miss Mississippi, former Miss America, a huge role model in my life, is the MC, and she um, introduces us to to, me to do my talent, and and I... I walked out on stage, and I have danced since I was three years old. I've danced in every possible capacity that you could think of, and I this has never, not one time, happened to me, and I, I still to this day can't explain it. I get about three to four eight counts in into the routine, and I just go blank. I go completely blank, and I just oh. stand there. It is, and this is my first year at Miss Mississippi. This is my first. This is the first night of preliminary competition. I have never been on the Miss Mississippi stage until this moment. And that's what, and I just freeze and I go completely blank and I try to pick up, but the song was so fast I, I couldn't get it. So I just, I mean, I just panicked and I ran off the stage. And Cheryl Pruitt Salem comes back there and she pulls me back on stage and she said, "You want to dance on this stage? Go dance." And I don't even know if she was allowed to do that, but you can't say no to Cheryl Salem. So, <laughs> so I went out there and I, and I knew that this wasn't going to count. I got one shot, so percentage wise, I knew I was like, "This isn't going to count. I'm going to get literally zero percent for this, pretty much." Yeah. But at that point, it wasn't about being in the top 10. It wasn't about winning a preliminary award. At that point, I just knew that I I was like, I know how to dance. I know this dance. I am good at this. And I wanted to show the judges and the audience, I, I, I can do this. I have the ability to do this. And so obviously, I'm really embarrassed. But in the moment, I had to just really compartmentalize and put all that aside and, and come back out there. And that was the best that I have perf- ever performed that dance to this day. That is literally the best I have ever performed that one specific dance. And I will never forget that. And I had so many people come up to me afterwards and be like, if that had been me, I would have run off stage, gone backstage, packed up my stuff and left and never, never come back. And not only did you come out on stage right after that happened, but you kept coming back. And to be able to sit here as Miss Mississippi 2023, five years later and tell that story is so, so special to me and something that I really hope that regardless of if that lesson is applicable within the pageant world to somebody or not, I hope that that is meaningful to somebody in some way and they can see that there are going to be times where you fail privately, you fail publicly, and it's it's really difficult to come back out there. But when when you care about something, when you're passionate about something and you know that that is God put that dream in your heart for a reason to keep coming back out there. I just, I, that's one message that I really want to spread.
spread is Miss Mississippi, and I think that story is um, such a beautiful representation of that. As much as a, a shameful experience in the moment that it was, it was so humiliating. I'm looking back. I'm I'm thankful for it because I think now I have I have a really incredible story to, to tell somebody as Miss Mississippi. You know, I mean, number one, I mean, kudos on you for being able to reframe that moment. You know, literally on the spot, and like you said, not running off the stage, and not <laughs> not leaving yeah, the I stage, <laughs> not packing up, changing your name, getting plastic surgery the whole right, nine yards. Right. It was a thought that crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> am sure you died a thousand deaths at that moment because you're yes. thinking, "I made it. I made it to the spotlight," but you didn't quit. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, what an incredible message. And um, and you think about you never would have learned what you had inside of yourself if you had not gotten back up and gotten back on that stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally got an education in resilience at that moment. Mm-hmm. And also, too, the fact, oh, yeah, I, you know, I was first runner up, didn't make it. And then I'm going to talk to didn't make it. <laughs> and, but you kept getting up and get back on the stage. Yeah. And you're wearing a crown right now. Yeah. Pretty cool crown, by the way. It is pretty cool. It is. It's a nice crown. And it seems to fit real nice on your head. It does. It's got it's got that extra band of rhinestones. It's a little bit curved, so it fits my head a little bit better. And um, I always tell kids, a, a lot of, one of the main questions that I get when I go into classrooms is yeah. they'll say, how do you get that crown to stay on your head? And I always tell them, and I know this is, this is probably a Southernism. Like, staples. Just tell them staples. That'll scream. That'll, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought that. probably scare them. But I, um, I'll tell them, i make a little bed of hair. So I tease my hair up at the top and make a little bed for it to sit on. And then that way the bobby pins have something to hold to. But I think that may be just a Mississippi thing. I don't know if somebody in the North would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, get my hair up really tall. Oh yeah. The higher the hair, the closer to Jesus. Uh, oh, I like that. I don't, why have I never, why have I, why have I never heard, never heard that? Why have I never heard that? I've been in the South my whole life, but two years. Why haven't I not know that? Yep. Okay. That's what they say. Higher the hair, the closer to Jesus. That's nice. That's very nice. Of course, I, you know, I went to school in the 80s, so there was a lot of really high hair. Oh, yeah. My my mother and her sisters wrote a song called Big Hair and, like, yeah. performed it at this time. Oh, have you ever, have you ever looked that. back at her high school photos? Yes, I have. Yeah, and during impressive. that Big Hair competition, oh, uh, needless amazing. to say, they won. There's why, there was a reason why there was a hole in the ozone. Mm-hmm. It was hairspray. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely on that. Um, do you get to keep the crown? I do. Ah, nice. I do. Do you have you have like a an Elvis kind of crown room? No, I don't. I was thinking my mom and I were talking about that earlier when I I was unpacking for Miss Mississippi and we we're kind of going through all the regalia from all the years and the local title crown. She was like, "We got to figure out a way to display these so they're not just in a box somewhere." So maybe that'll be a project during this year. Yeah, like you know, Elvis just turned his uh, handball court into a trophy room, there so you, you can do that sort of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, my handball court. I'll turn my handball court into. <laughs> Into a, crown, a crown room. You're like, wait, your folks are listening right now going, no, we don't have a handball. You're, I mean, I, I can only imagine their reaction when you won, how proud your parents had to be of you. It was an incredibly sweet moment. So my... Yeah. My now my mom and I are close and she's always been incredibly supportive but my the the funny thing is my dad has always been super into the pageant thing like he is like number one pageant really? dad everybody knows that Anthony is like the pageant dad and he would get so into it he was like my business manager before he would text me and be like hey don't book anything on Tuesday at two o'clock I've got you doing this you know all throughout those years and he just um, was kind of my go-to person for that and so in so many ways it, he is just as much Miss Mississippi as I am and I just remember in that moment um, there's you can see in the video when I'm walking around I'm waving I've got my you know flowers and I'm ugly crying <laughs> you can see in the video the moment that I spot my family in the audience yeah. and there's also a video of him and so he's jumping up and down waving his arms like crying yelling and I and I'm I'm doing the same thing because that was the first time we had really made eye contact since I had been crowned and 
Um, that is a moment that I have thought about for 10 years and, and something that I, I, I will never forget. The one thing I've learned uh, from being a parent is that when your children do anything, mm-hmm. it is a million times cooler than anything you've ever done. Yeah. It is really, really <laughs> amazing. So I can only imagine that afterwards that your dad had to like stuff his heart back down his throat because oh, you know, yeah. it had puffed up and his, you know, oh, and yeah. on that and the nerve wracking as well. How did you celebrate after you won? I mean, obviously, I know the stage stuff and you, you know, you got the ground and tears and the music and all that, that probably time was going very slowly at that point because you were just trying to soak it all in. Um, Did you like wake up the next day going, I miss Mississippi? Yes, it was a little bit the next day, and but the ne- the next day was packed. So I mean, it was oh, all so were, fast. They, so I really yeah. didn't have a lot of time to to slow down. But there was a moment where I had been, I had gone through all these different steps, and I had been dropped off at my hotel room, and my mom was going to come stay with me in my hotel room that night, but she had to go get her stuff, and so yeah. there was just a period of time where I was just completely alone, and it was the first time I had been alone since being crowned and I just I remember standing there's this picture that I that I took in the bathroom mirror <laughs> with the crown and sash and I was like I I can't like I was just looking at myself in disbelief and I was like I am Miss Mississippi I just won Miss Mississippi and it it was just the most out of body surreal crazy experience um ever just to have that realization and, and let that soak in that this is really happening and I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and I'm gonna be Miss Mississippi I'm <laughs> I joked with my coworkers. I used to be a recruiter at USM, and I, I sent them a picture of the me in the crown and sash, and I said, well, I guess this is my two minutes notice. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Turning in my, my letter of re- resignation in kind of an odd way. <laughs> oh, no, but how much fun it would have been to go to work the next day wearing the crown saying, hey, all right. I'm- well, I, so, I, I mean, I did have to go. To, yeah. I, I had I had one day in between when I was going to be gone for uh, for two weeks after that, and so I had one day to go turn in my, my laptop and my keys and all those things, so it was fun to get to see them after that. Yeah, and, I know they were uh, proud of you. Oh, they were so supportive. So yeah. the entire university has been so oh, no incredibly kidding. supportive. Well, I can brag on you. Well, we haven't had an eagle win in quite some time, so I was really thankful to to bring that home to them. And don't be looking at my Tennessee cup. No. <laughs> I know she and I have already gotten on, uh, in about that. So I'm saying anyway. So okay, we got about a minute left. Uh, what would you like to add that we have not said so far? I, I think that I, you know I'm just really thankful to be in this position. I, I hope that uh, in these interviews when I when I've talked about authenticity, I hope that each and every person that has listened to these is going to hold me accountable to that and is going to hold me accountable to the work that I have said that I plan to put into this and that I intend to put into this position. And so um, I, I'm I'm so excited to continue meeting people from all over the state of Mississippi and hearing their story. Um, shameless plug: check out CapableCurriculum.com. The curriculum, both curricula are downloadable. They're just PDFs that you can download directly from the website. You can purchase the book from the website, see all the different information that um, that you could possibly need for that. My contact info is on there. So um, if you're interested at all in capable or implementing that curriculum or having me come speak, uh, doing the inclusion training, I'm happy to do so. And all of that information is on capable curriculum. And they can follow you on social media, correct? Follow me on social media. So I'm at OVIV, O-H-H-V-I-V-V. And I'm also this year Miss America MS on Instagram as well. So you can follow those. And then also the Miss Mississippi Corporation is another Instagram page. So that kind of, I don't really handle that one, but that one showcases our, our incredible organization. But Miss America Miss and then Oviv are my, my two Instagram accounts. It's, it's kind of fun to follow you just because it's kind of neat to see. It's almost like, where's Waldo's? Or where, yeah. where, well, no, I mean, they where can in find, the world is Miss where, Mississippi where, today? Yeah, maybe that's it right there. Where, so. This has been delightful. Thank you so much for coming in today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for and having me. And congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, I know your brother was really proud of you, too. 
he got up on that stage and he said, well, cool. Uh, and that was it. And no I was like, listen. <laughs> no way. You're like, wait a minute now. Well, he can't, he can't let, let my head get too big. He's got to keep me humble. Well, so. that's what we brothers do. Exactly. That's right. And that's what Jermaine does for me as well. Oh. All right. Man, this was great. All right. Good deal. Congratulations. And Thank I wish you. you all the success come January. Thank at, you. At, and we'll be watching. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening and thank our special guest, Miss Mississippi, Vivian O'Neill, for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB public media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio with episode and podcast produced by the incredible, wonderful, and talented Jermaine Flood. And join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Hope you all have a great week and have a happy fourth. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 